This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Yeah, I just like the way that, you know, we're playing. We're seeing our structure. We're trusting it. Um, seeing the process, we're, you know, skate pretty well. We're, uh, you know, take a point to, to play good D and, and, you know, get in lanes, limit chances. So I thought we did a good job of that. I think uh, just sticking to the process, um, you know, we, we know what we need to do to be successful out there. So, you know, we've been working on, you know, being smart with the puck in, in the neutral zone and not not allowing odd man rushes and uh, th- I think we did a really good job of that the past two games so we just got to keep building. You know start playing from the first minute and uh, trying to play consistent throughout the game and as I said before when we follow the plan uh, you know we have a good chance to win the game so we did the last couple of days. It's been great I mean that's what you're looking for in your team is uh, realizing that you know, you're not going to have to score your way out to win games and if you play uh, some responsible defense, you know, good things are going to happen. And when we break down the big guys back there to bail us out. Oh, yeah. That was a good, good win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Game tonight against Nashville. These back-to-backs, home and then away. Kind of throws me for a loop. But I know that was John Cooper at the end. I'll confess, I wasn't paying too much attention. I want to say Tanner Janot. Was, yeah. was there a Tanner Janot in there? Okay. Yeah, and we started Tanner with Janot. Sorelli, who was on Lightning go. Radio. Perfect. Post game with Eric. He was. So that's good stuff. And and Cooch. <laughs> what? That's when you know I really wasn't paying attention because <laughs> you know Cooch is. He gave, he he gave some good post game quotes. Not last a bad post game for him. He said he was trying to be Ovi because he was asked about was his shot volume. Was that the line of the night? Good mm-hmm. for him. Yes. He's leading the NHL in a variety of categories, including shots on goal. Which is that probably, the most surprising one? That would have been that would have been the uh, the wild card spot on the bingo card. Like you would not have expected that to to be no. filled. No, that to me that's maybe one of the the more shocking stats. Bigger surprise: Cooch leading the league in shots, or the Pittsburgh Penguins power play? Because <laughs> I tell you what, it's not a surprise for me because I've been following it all year. I know, but to hear like Phil. And Chief, I mean, especially Phil. Dave, considered one of the greatest goal scorers, players of all time. He made a living in front of the net, power play. He was just, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He's looking at the Penguins and saying, Crosby, which he said on the air, look, I, I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Malkin is a Hall of Famer. Latang borderline. Carlson, borderline, probably a Hall of Famer. And they can't score with the man advantage. Well, he did say also there's only one puck, although I'm not sure if that's their problem. So, look, I haven't seen their power play as much as you have following them like you do. Their first power play, they won the draw, and they immediately kind of got a puck near the net and looked pretty dangerous. It seemed to me that up until they got their five on three, the issue was less about what they did with the puck in the offensive zone and more about once it went down the ice, they couldn't get it back in and get it set up, which is when your power play is struggling, that's usually one of the areas that's a problem area. It was a problem area for them last night before they got the five on three. When they got the five on three in the third period, like they were not going to have trouble holding into the zone or if it went down the ice, which I'm not even sure the Lightning got a clear on that, that 40-second five on three. The Penguins had the puck in the offensive zone the entire time. And 
they were just out of sync. And maybe that's as big a problem as any. I still maintain, though, like so much of it is confidence. So if they can get some swagger going on their power play, those players aren't going anywhere. Like they're still future Hall of Famers. They should be able to score. But I thought the Lightning last night, they deserved the win more decisively than certainly in the game between the teams last week, a game in which I went on the air afterward and said they didn't deserve to win because they they gift-wrapped some plays for the Penguins that turned the game from a 2-0 Lightning lead into a deficit. That didn't happen last night. In some ways, Greg, I like their game against the Penguins, the win, more than their game against the Stars, which was a shutout. Vasilevsky was was a minute away, less than a minute away from his second straight shutout. They had the miscue behind the net, and Gensel ends up scoring to break up the shutout bid. But if you look at scoring chances allowed, the Stars didn't have a lot, but they had some. We we spelled that out after that Dallas game on Monday, the one on Monday I'm talking about, not the 8-1 game. They had plenty of scoring chances in that game. Last night, the scoring chance number was very low for Pittsburgh. And what was interesting about how we got to that number, some of it was the Lightning defended really well in front of Vasilevsky again. The shot number in terms of block shots changed after I wrote my extra shift. Thank you very much. Off-ice officials, they added, I think they added a couple. But the Lightning were in the high 20s for block shots and I think the final stat sheet said the Penguins had 30 shots blocked, but the Lightning had 27 blocked shots. So I'm not quite sure how they they came up with that. Let's just say high 20s in blocked shots, and that was after they blocked, I think, 24 against the Dallas Stars. That was very good. Where the, the Penguins might have had more scoring chances, though, we say this about the Lightning sometimes. They had opportunities, and they tried to make an extra pass. And so not only was there no goal, there was no shot. There was no chance. That must have happened to them, I would say, in the first and and maybe beginning of the second periods. They must have passed out of five potential scoring chances, the Penguins. So they made it a little easier on the Lightning. But look, if those passes are completed, maybe it's in the net. But they weren't completed. So that factors into the equation, but it doesn't take away from how well I thought the Lightning defended as a team. They are keeping the chance number down. They're limiting the number of turnovers. And it's not like they generated 20 scoring chances of their own, but in the first period, they definitely generated more. And that was the period in which they grabbed the lead. And if you're going to defend well, getting the lead really helps you out even more than under other circumstances because when you're not defending well, getting the lead is is going to be tenuous because you may surrender that lead. Last night, the way the Lightning defended, going up one nothing and then especially 2 nothing, it just felt different than the game last week because the Penguins are having a harder time finding ways to generate scoring chances, which is a credit to the Lightning. And the penalty kill was part of that. I mean, I understand the Penguins are now under 10% of the power play, but let's give some credit to the Lightning penalty killers. They got in the lanes. They blocked shots. They cleared pucks when they had a chance. They were good. They were very good. They were good. Yeah. 
I think and the Lightning got depth scoring. This is the last point. For second yeah. straight game, they got depth scoring. Love Sorelli's it. up to 200 points. Nice yeah. tip on the power play. Jano chips in a goal. Very Listen, solid performance. I, I loved I love seeing Sorelli and, and Tanner Jano score. And Sorelli especially. I mean, we've been talking about Sorelli, and I, I don't want to bang home that point too, too much, but I think it is it is relevant. And, you know, much like we've said about Tanner Jano, do we think he's a 25-goal guy partner? moving forward. I don't know. I think if you told me he's in that 12 to 15 goal category based off of what I've seen, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I don't know what Sorelli is. You know, we, we kind of say, I think he's at least a 20 goal scorer. That may be fair. Is he a little bit more than that? Is he a little bit less than that? Don't know. I think there's more there offensively though. And it was good to see the last couple of games that starting to come out. By the way, a, a side note on Pittsburgh. I do think when they go on the power play at this point, it might make sense to decline it. <laughs> it may make sense to decline it. It is that bad. And you know what that does, too? That sucks momentum away yeah. from you when you're that bad. And I, I was reading some comments on the Pittsburgh end after the game. There were a lot of beat reporters or commentators who were a little flabbergasted that Mike Sullivan didn't pull the goalie to go six on three. We were wondering about end. that. Yeah. And kind of getting on him. Although... The narrative was, look, Sullivan was doing everything he could to try and get that team going last night, doubling up Malkin and Crosby, putting them on the yeah. same line, and putting. Yeah, guys they had a power. They had a power five. I would call it. They had power Crosby, five. Malkin, Gensel, Carlson, and Latang for five on five shifts in the third period. It's like playing Super Nintendo. Just play your five <laughs> best guys out there for the whole game and see what yes. happens. And and that's not well, realistic. You know the other side of the coin to that. Crosby was great last night. I mean, he was trying. We talk about willing your team into the fight. He was doing everything he could, I felt, to to help the Penguins from from the offensive blue line to the lightning net. I mean, that's really where things were pretty flat for Pittsburgh last night. But Anthony Sorelli, man, he didn't do well in a circle against Crosby, but he was in Crosby's back pocket all night long. And not every game is going to be like that. The Lightning starting tonight have the next five on the road. They don't get last change. And not every team they see is going to have a Crosby-type player where you where you were really leaning into a matchup. But you could see, Greg, the difference when Sully was able to get Crosby and whoever he was with away from Sorelli. He was appreciably more dangerous. I think it's a credit to... It was Sorelli... Hagel and Barry Boulay, they were the line tasked with matching against Crosby's line, whoever was with Crosby. And, you know, they started the game with, with Gensel and Riley Smith, and then Sully mixed up the lines. I guess Rust got hurt. You may know more about that than me, but I just noticed he didn't play much injury, in the yeah. second half of the game. Yeah, so that forced the Penguins to, to mix up the lines as well. But that was, that was Anthony Sorelli at his best. He's checking, he's he's being a thorn in the side of the other team's top line, and he chips in a goal. And he would have had an assist had he not been literally like inches offside. Another one of these goals that is taken off the board where there's no there's no bearing on the goal being scored. There was no advantage gained by the Lightning that Sorelli's skate preceded the puck. In fact, had he been able to put his stick blade on the puck, 
they would have said he had control across the blue line, which is why I forget what team it was. They challenged for offside where Braden Point carried the puck across the blue line as skates preceded the puck, but because he had control of the puck, it was not offside. Had Sorelli just touched the puck one more time once he entered the zone, it would have been a goal. So it was offside. I'm not saying it wasn't. But another one of these plays where they're taking goals off the board seems to be happening to the Lightning a lot. That's yeah. frustrating. Well, especially ones that don't impact the the play. That's what I mean. So, yeah, yeah, that, I know. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. It just I I do think. I mean, that it's may not Matt be... Duchesne being 15 Listen. feet offside and getting a breakaway because he's in the zone early. Yeah, I look. I I think it's something the league needs to address, and I. It's, I don't it's know okay, how you address it, though. But it's okay to tinker a little bit. I I, I think it, it doesn't feel right when, when – I mean, I guess you could sit there and say, uh, if we're going to stand pat and if it's offsides in this instance and it's offsides in that instance and they're really not equal, but you're kind of saying, look, letter of law, that's how it is, okay. Um, but we know there are exceptions to rules. We do know that. It's in life in general. And mm-hmm. I think the same could probably be applied to a pretty dumb rule uh, in the NHL. That being said, I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But that's those are some comments uh, pertaining to that. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's happened to the Lightning a, a few times when it really doesn't impact the play. It's ironic too for a league that wants to continue to increase scoring, allowing something like that, pretty innocent, to take away from some offense. And you know it. It's fine. That's just the way it is. But let's get back to the game because I want to get some questions too, and then we yeah. can look at Nashville tonight. Big picture, all things considered, Dave, pretty good wins against some pretty good teams. And we can talk about Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh plays Tampa Bay well. I think you mm-hmm. have to take that into consideration. Dallas, we've talked about, really good team. Back to get back to back games where the Lightning ha- have put their foot down and have had two uh, pretty pretty good performances and. You know, if you believe in momentum, if you believe in confidence carrying over into the next game, the Lightning should feel they should be feeling better about themselves now than they did uh, even just last week. Well, there's no question they should be feeling better about themselves. But I think if you're a Lightning fan, what you have to like about the last two games in this process versus outcome equation, both were good in both games. Their process was good in both games, and the outcome was good in both games. Because remember, we were kicking around, would you rather have good process or would you rather take the points? Lightning really needed those points because what's upcoming is daunting. It's not going to be, not that it was easy to do it against Dallas and Pittsburgh in these last two games, but you know the Lightning had last change. They were able to dictate the matchups. They do seem to play better at home than on the road. I mean, they haven't been perfect at home, nor have they been winless on the road, but we have seen a difference in how the team plays. They're going to need to carry onto the road all the things that they did well in these last two home games. But what was encouraging, especially encouraging, was it wasn't only that they won, it was that they played well. And that's going to need to continue now that now that they're starting this long road trip. It is up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. 
And you mentioned the depth scoring. They certainly got that. Um, you know, I thought the Lightning had a pretty inspirational game as well. How many block shots did they have? I feel like that number. Yeah. So on my game sheet, that's a paper game sheet. Did it change? It changed. That's what I was saying. So I used Uh, the paper game sheet. And again, they didn't have the same number on the Pittsburgh side as the Lightning side because there's a column for shots that you took that were blocked. But then on the other side, the other team has blocked shots. So it was 28 for Pittsburgh, 26 for the Lightning. And then it changed. I'm going online. The Penguins, they say, had 30 shots blocked, and the Lightning blocked 27 shots. I don't really understand how that's possible. The number should be the same. But having said that, that is a high number. Mikhail Sergachev blocked seven shots, tying a personal best for shots blocked in a game. And Jake Gensel on the other side of the coin had seven of his shot attempts blocked. That was high yeah, right. for Pittsburgh. Blocking shots. We've talked about it at Bolts Radio. Go ahead, partner. No, I mean, I'm no, just looking at this game looking. sheet. I didn't have anything more to say Okay, for now. For now. <laughs> uh, Thomas says, so the Bolts put another 49 minute and 57 seconds of stellar hockey together. For the road trip, are they going right to Seattle after Nashville? So I'm doing my math in my head again. What did he say? 49-53? 49-57. 57. So 10 3 of – he's not going to give you the full 60 because he is in the he is in the Greg Linnelli school of hockey thought. Is he in that right? camp? Is he in that camp? Well, look, I think that – I will get to the Seattle question. I think – there is a point to be made that you are not going to just dominate a team for 60 minutes. There is going to be pushback from the other side. But I do think that when you are being pushed, you can handle it better or worse, right? So while I wouldn't say it was necessarily the full 60, I'm not sure there was any point in that game when the lightning just started coming apart at the seams. Did they have some stretches, particularly early in the third, when the Penguins had some extended offensive zone shifts where the Lightning got caught out there with tired players and they couldn't execute to get out of the defensive zone? Yes. But what did that lead to for the Penguins? Did the Lightning continue to block shots? Did they continue to protect the front of the net? Did they continue to limit scoring chances? Yes. So I think that while that's not ideal to be playing in your own zone with tired players stuck out there on the ice, it's going to happen. That's to your point. Like, it's not going to be 60 minutes of playing with the puck. But how are you handling it when the other team surges? And that's where maybe I would take however Thomas is coming up with these numbers, unless he's just having fun with us. I would say, well, what happened in these 10 minutes that you were so disappointed in the Lightning's performance, Thomas? Or maybe you're just saying they didn't dominate. I don't know. I thought that they played a pretty complete game last night. That's I the word I would use. I, I will say that. Yeah, you know, it's it's more of the, how did you feel after the game? I came away from that game thinking, you know what? I didn't feel like Pittsburgh really pushed back a ton. I, I never felt like Tampa Bay was in danger of losing that game or losing momentum. Maybe that doesn't always quantify a 60-minute game, but for me, that's as close as you're going to get. Yeah. And uh, The second part of the question... 
the traveling, right? Yeah. So I think, and look, I I don't see the full travel schedule for the year. I only get our our schedule for each upcoming trip. Although you know, the Lightning have spent the night in the city and then flown home the next day at the end of some road trips this year. And those I did talk to Ryan Bellick about just to figure out if we were coming home that night or or coming back the next day. But it's kind of the same deal. Nashville to Seattle is is not a short trip, certainly not. I think it's about five hours, maybe. If I look at the itinerary, I can tell you exactly what is what is the time frame for it. So a couple of things here. First of all, there's no reason to fly right after the game, even though the Lightning are going to be gaining two more hours going from the central time zone to the Pacific time zone, and the Lightning will have played a back-to-back. So normally, after a back-to-back, the next day is an off day. So you might say, well, just get to Seattle and give the players an off day. I think that would have been a, a tough a tough sequence to, to get in at whatever time they'd be getting into Seattle, middle-of-the-night Seattle time, and then you're coming back not the next day, but the day after and playing. So the Lightning, this is my long-winded answer, Thomas, the Lightning are spending the night in Nashville and flying tomorrow, which means that Greg and I will be recording the show in the morning because at noon Eastern we'll be on an airplane. But that's okay. No, I'm okay with that, you know. So get your, as Greg often says, get your questions in if you have any after the game tonight. Please do. We'll try and get to them tomorrow morning. Please do. So, Thomas, I hope that answered your question. And Thomas but, is a math guy, so he's yeah. So, so this is the itinerary for the trip, Thomas. So you can you can absorb. He's going to map this it is out. Fairly fairly typical. So it's a back to back. So the Lightning played last night. Went to the airport. Flew to Nashville. Got in. I mean, we gained an hour. So probably got in a little after to the hotel. A little after midnight, I would say, Central Time. So this compared to some other back to backs was not as tough. As like that Colorado Arizona back to back that we talked about. They'll play the game tonight, spend the night in Nashville, spend a portion of the day flying to Seattle tomorrow. They'll play the game in Seattle on Saturday and right after the game go to Vancouver. They'll have Sunday in Vancouver, they'll have Monday in Vancouver, they'll play the Canucks on Tuesday, leave right after the game and go to Edmonton, which is not an easy trip if it were a back to back, but they don't have a back to back. Wednesday is an off day or practice day in Edmonton. They play the Oilers Thursday, leave right after the game for Calgary. Friday, off day or practice day, I'm not sure which, uh, in Calgary. They play the game. It's a later game in Calgary. I believe it's an 8 o'clock local time game in Calgary. But even if it were 7 o'clock local time, again, it's a long trip home, so the Lightning will play that game, spend the night in Calgary, and then fly back home on Sunday. It's a long trip. It is a long trip. Got to be prepared for it. It's also a lot better heading into the start of it with a couple of wins. Yes. Under your belt. I think we can all agree on that. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Al, we've got to get Al's take. Because remember, Al said this was a big game last night. (laughs) He goes, (laughs) the last two games have been close to playoff hockey. They haven't been perfect. No game ever is. But it's hard to argue with the effort. This road trip may very well be the most important five-game stretch of the season. Need points. Eight would be nice. Do you notice how every game has its own narrative? This is a big one. Or this road trip coming up is huge. I'm not discrediting it, Al. I, I, I like to try and keep a level head because if I don't, 
I'm going to look at every game and say, boy, Dave, they just lost yeah. if they lose tonight. I just, I just can't go down that road. Well, I think our concern was that the losing streak would balloon and they were like a top spinning off the axis, you know, or however you want to put it, spinning off, spinning off the, the plane or a table, and then you have a precipitous drop. And it's not like the Lightning aren't going to have time to make up points later in the season. I mean, we're, we're what? Not even, what are we, about a third of the way through the season? A little bit, little bit more than a third of the way through the season. There's a lot of runway left in the season, but we've talked about how hard it is to make up ground if you fall far behind. And they'd hit a stretch where, you know, they lost four in a row in regulation with this five-game road trip upcoming. It was like they need to stop the bleeding. Right, they need to start getting points. So they got four points in the last two games, but I mean they are far from like a secure spot. If this road trip doesn't go well, it still find themselves looking up at a lot of teams, not based on their point total right now, but based on their points percentage. Essentially, like they've played more games than just about every other team in the NHL. So that was why these last two games were important to get some some points in the in the bank. Yeah. And it's Al's right. Like, it's going to be important to get points out of this road trip. Then the schedule will will turn again, right? And the Lightning will have a stretch of, of less rigorous travel. In fact, after this road trip, what do they have? I think five of six at home, you know, through Christmas and <clears throat> and into, into the end of December. Those aren't easy games, but you're not bouncing all over, you know, the continent. So what's up next? This is what's up next. And even if the Lightning were in first place, we would say, you know, they want more points than games. They don't want to have a bad road trip. They want to make sure they keep munching points. But the fact that they had not given themselves any kind of cushion through the first 25 games, let's say, because now they're up to 27, meant that this road trip was going to be really important. I mean, I'm with you, Greg. Like, you can't necessarily overreact to one game out of 82. But there are there are potential tipping points within a season where you can propel yourself forward or or have the schedule sink you and put you in a really tough spot for the rest of the way. Hopefully the Lightning can keep building on on the good things they've done the last two I, games. I agree. And, and keep adding to their point total. No, look, they're in a playoff position, but they played twenty seven games. It's actually yeah. staggering. Toronto's Ottawa played has seven games in hand. Yeah, Toronto's played twenty two. Yeah. Well, they went to Sweden. They went to Sweden. So they had the stretch where they played two games and and not much around those two games on either side. So they'll be making up those games, and that's not always ideal either. That means you're going to have a crazy busy schedule at some point to make up those games. But, yeah, they do have the games in hand, so those are points that they could gain while the Lightning have already essentially played those games, right? You know, out of all of the teams in a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference right now, the Lightning have played the most amount of games by yeah. by at least two. And in a lot of cases, three or four. I mean, that's just weird how the schedule... I mean, Detroit's played 24 games. But they went to Sweden also. They have. Yeah. And they've got 31 points. Boston just, you know, I mean, that's... that That really is just an interesting situation, how much they keep winning even with some of the losses we've talked about, Florida's off to a, yep. a good start. I'm, I don't want to belabor the point because everybody knows how I feel about the standings, but it just sticks out. Like the Lightning, in fact, partner, them, 
and Columbus have played the most games in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. That's weird. Just a weird. Vegas is up there too, aren't they? Yeah, Vegas is. That was in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, crazy. But you're right. Yeah, Vegas is a 27 too. So you're right. I mean, in in some ways, that can be a good thing because that's going to spin back around Mm -hmm. on some of these other teams to make up ground. At the same time, it does put a little pressure on the Lightning to kind of maintain and munch points because what if one of those teams who's only played 22 or 23, they win those games, Dave? Yeah. In that condensed schedule. And look. Some of the things we talked about before this season began are playing out a little bit. Look, I, I don't think anybody saw Philadelphia coming out and playing where they are right now, 25 games in. I mean, they're in a playoff spot. Did anybody have Philadelphia in a playoff spot, 25 games in? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Detroit, though, wasn't that one of those teams? I think they've like, exceeded. You know, I think they've exceeded expectations. And the Sabers and Senators have. I mean, They've have the been worse They've than the a lot bed. of people expect. Now, yeah, the Senators have all these games in hand. They, they are do. 10 and 10 through 20 games. So they have an opportunity. But, you know, the Sabres, the Sabres have lost four in a row in regulation. And with those four losses, they went from 10-10 and 2 to 10-14 and 2. Yeah. And you might say, well, why is that important? Well, when the Lightning lost four in a row, they went from 10-6 and 5 to 10, 10, and 5. So they lost their, quote-unquote, above 500 standing, but the Sabres entered their losing streak already at hockey 500. Yeah. Now they have four more regulation losses than wins. So they have a high games played number, a low point total, and the teams around them either have more points or comparable points and they have games in hand. Like, they are in a really, really bad spot. That's the spot that we were, I think, concerned the Lightning might find themselves in if they didn't turn things around here, particularly in the last two games. They've done it. The Sabres have not. Well, and That's out of, of confounding. I know they don't have Tage Thompson, and he... And that's a big you know, loss. He, he blocked the top. But it's, yeah. Look, a very important player, but it's just one player on their team. That's true, but he's, I mean, he's based off of previous years, he would be considered really dynamic. I mean, you're talking about a 40 goal scorer. That's, you know, we're not talking 25 and and 50 points. Tage Thompson's supposed to be this this guy now, this elite player. You you know, we talk about Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit, and out of those three, I think I had Detroit as like maybe the third best. Me too. Up and coming teams. Yeah, we, that's a credit. Discussing that. It's a credit to Steve Eiserman. It's a credit to Derek Lalonde. And I'm it still is. saying that because you know, they both, you know, were with the Lightning. But Eiserman made some some really smart additions, notably DeBrinket, who's wow. having a very good year. But he made others like JT Confer is a very good addition for them. Gossis Bear has played well for them. So you know about and then know, the coaching, right? Well, they're, the they're coaching for sure. It. I mean, there there's Lalonde. There's there are a lot of people who really. Who really are high on him. And that's not a surprise. I mean, I thought he was, you know, in dealing with him a little bit, partner, and then having him on the show and just, he gets it. I actually think he's a a really good players coach, too. I mean, I think he's a, and look, he probably learned a lot from John Cooper as well. You know, it was funny, speaking of Detroit, that interview I told you about with Pierre Maguire when he was breaking down Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, they were talking about Detroit. And Maguire brought up an interesting point. I did not realize this. That Iserman... Maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe not, though. In the offseason, made it a point to bring in guys who played their hockey or grew up in Michigan. 
Yeah. And he well, named Comfer, Com- Comfer and Debrinket. For sure. I think Debrinket yeah, was born there or, yep. or played there. So, I mean, it was one of those things, too, where maybe there's a little added element to that. Where yeah. you're bringing guys who are proud to play where they grew up, where they've they were born. They've had that, though. I think they've had that. I mean, Michigan is is one of the hockey hotbeds in the U.S. I mean, it has been. Now I think we're seeing other areas as hockey has grown in the South. But I think they've had that. Larkins from that area. I mean, he's the captain of the team and had a very good career so far. But yeah, Detroit has done well. You know what's interesting also? The schedule for Ottawa. I'm looking at the the standings right now. So Ottawa has only played 20 games, 2-0. The next closest team, 22. Toronto and Washington. So the Senators have two games in hand on the next lowest team for games played in the NHL. But you know what's even more crazy? Of their 20 games, guess how many they've played at home? And I think they were a team that both of their games in Sweden might have counted as home games, but they still count, right? Of their 20 games, guess how many they've played at home so far? Tell me. 15. They've played five road games so far. So not only are they going to be making up a lot of games, those games are going to be played on the road. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning, guess how many home games the Lightning have played? Well, it's a rhetorical question. I'm giving you the answer. 14. The Ottawa Senators have played more home games then the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though the Lightning have played seven more games total than Ottawa. That is going to be a tough grind for the Senators. I understand they have the games for in sure. hand, but they still have 36 road games to play. Can we in the also, final, what, 62? Can we get the... I, I, I need to... This is maybe the equivalent of the one referee or multiple referees not picking up the sticks when they're on the ice. <laughs> by the way, I think they've gotten better at that, by the way. I, well, I've just they're not noticed consistently doing They it. aren't, but I know I always appreciate a partner when you point it out. Yeah. Because I think you're watching it as well. We had a game recently where the stick was on the ice. I can't remember which game it was. And a dump in hit the stick twice in the same shift. Can I ask you why? We'd have to ask an official. I'm asking you. Do we know why they wouldn't pick it up? Is it part of like it's part of play? I I, I don't well, want to take the stick out. It's the linesmen that usually pick it up, not the referee. Yeah, but why wouldn't they? Like, well, wanted, see, again, the only the, safety pick the it up. The only the only reason I can think of is, and this is not an excuse to explain why the stick would be on the ice for more than ten seconds, but you actually have to be involved in what's happening on the ice. Whether it's you're you're at the blue line to ensure that. You know, a play is onside or offside, like duty calls, right? But that should not explain why the stick stays on the ice when the puck goes down the other end. Agreed. Pick it up. But anyways, another pet peeve of mine. So we're, we're talking about the standings. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Do we really like it? Always feels weird to me. Hey, the Bruins are seventeen four and three. They're seventeen and seven, right? I mean, you lose in overtime. That's but a loss. they're not, Greg. But because you lose, those right? 
that third column counts for points, and that's what what gets you in I the get playoffs. It. But that's a lo- but just make it a loss. But then just you know you can have a point. Like we we don't need another column like that. Let somebody else from the league. I it just look at these teams that are in playoff position. Like the okay, so the Flyers are thirteen and twelve realistically. Toronto is twelve and ten. But then yet like the Islanders are really like ten and fourteen. Yeah. 10 and 14. Well, I think they don't want to add additional columns. Certainly not. But if you just Condense lump the it. overtime losses with the losses, it becomes harder to, to see how a team has gotten to its point total. You know what the Leaf people are complaining about? Because Elliot they Friedman a had a a 32 thoughts, which yeah, I read last night. Yeah. So the Leafs are actually in pretty good shape. You know, they have 28 yeah. points through 22 games. They do hold the second wild card spot, but they have games in hand, and and you know I think they, I think they're like six one and one in their last seven or something like that. But the thing that that Leafs Nation is concerned about of their twelve wins, they only have five in regulation. <laughs> so you talk about like why is an overtime loss separate from a loss? They're both losses. The Leafs have not won very many games prior to overtime. Lightning know that well because the Leafs won both games against the Lightning this year in overtime. But seven of their 12 wins have come either in overtime or the shootout. They have three overtime wins and four shootout wins to get to their 12 victories. And those all count the same except the tiebreakers. Two points. Yeah. So I think I there it. was the, the the people who are looking at the underlying kind of quality of play for Toronto. It's like, how can this team only have won five games in regulation at this point in the season? And do they need to make changes? That's kind of where they were going with it. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, understood. At Bolts Radio, it's just that that's more of a personal preference. I understand, um, and I, I know why they have the extra column. I just don't like it. Yes, Jay says, "Nice win, control play for most of it." Penguins were flat, and when they pushed, the Lightning were able to defend well enough (in parentheses better than they have this year) to avoid a full-blown collapse. They're adjusting well with 88 back in net. Well, I agree on all counts, Jay. Because the Penguins did have points when they pushed. Maybe you felt that nothing was going to come of it, Greg, watching the game. But I didn't think the, the Lightning, Penguins were dangerous. The Lightning hung in there well in those sequences, during those sequences. But I'm I'm more inclined to say that was a lot because about, you know, Tampa Bay. I mean, look. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh, I didn't think really pushed. But I, I know they have their issues. I don't know if they're a playoff team. But I also know that the Lightning had something to say about that. Mm-hmm. And so Penguins have some injuries too, and I mean let's not let's not minimize those. I mean I think I had talked about you had asked me after the first meeting what did you think of the Penguins, and I said I wonder if they're they're playing their top guys too much and having to lean on them more just based on kind of how their lineup is constructed. They have no depth now I thought I thought Shea played more last night than he did in the first meeting, and maybe Mike Sullivan is is like he's earning Sully's trust a little bit, and he was a young player, and they're they're trying to work him in. But you know, you're taking out Nieto, you're taking out Achari, you're still without Raquel, 
who's not had a great offensive year, but you know he is a proven NHL player, right? As opposed to you know some guys that are either new to the NHL or new to pro hockey, and you know those are those are pretty important losses for the Penguins. And then you take out Rust, who only played half the game last night. They're, they're top heavy. And they're probably more top-heavy than most, and they're top-heavy with older players, and that's not good. Yeah, You and I had that discussion about Malkin. I know Malkin had some moments last night, but he's 37 years old. He came out, I think it was 20 points in his first 24 games, or maybe that's where he is right now, but like the last 10, there's really been a precipitous dip in his play, and now you're relying on Crosby and Gensel, and you're throwing stuff at the wall. You know, if the power getting, play were better, Malkin's point total would there's be no higher. Doubt. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And and probably a lot of them, their point totals would be a lot better. And maybe their record would be a lot better. You almost, you almost can say the lack of power play success in its own right up to this point, because I think it's crisis mode there, is a fireable offense for a coach or a big shakeup when it comes to a trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of where they are. Apple Did you see up. that one power play? I think it was, so they had four. They had two in the second period, and then they had the two that overlapped in the third, if I'm remembering that right. I think it was their second power play. I'm going to check this. Yeah, because Sorelli got two penalties in the second period. So their second power play came near the end of the period, so it actually carried over into the start of the third. Did you see the guys that he had out there on the power play? I mean, Crosby was out there. But they had O'Connor, they had Smith, they had Crosby, Latang, but no Carlson. And for the life of me, I can't remember who the fifth guy was. Maybe it was Gensel. So like yeah. on their on their normal top unit, Crosby and Gensel would be out there, and yeah, Latang is now on there with their their current top unit right. with two defensemen. But he put O'Connor and Smith out there on the top unit too. Yeah, that's like having me and you out there at this point. <laughs> well, look, but I mean, struggling. what are you going to do? So it's kind of like Decline your question. It. Decline it. When your power, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> your power play is struggling. And you're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to mix things up. Uh, I've heard a popular theory. I don't know how you feel about this, and then we'll move on to some other things. Do you think Crosby should be on the the half wall where Malkin usually sets up? There's, there's, a, there's been a debate there. Where is Malkin. Crosby normal? Crosby is all over the place. Kind of, mainly <laughs> down low. And oh, okay. that, you know, sometimes like Kucherov is their best is the Lightning's best distributor. Yeah. Best passer. Goes through him. That there's a belief maybe that Crosby doesn't get enough touches, and for sure he should, because of his playmaking ability, that he should be the guy where Malkin is yeah. to facilitate. Well, look, if if you're under ten percent more yeah, than I a tried, quarter right? of the way through the season, <laughs> maybe it's time to to switch things Not up. Right. But you already have, now you've committed to Latang and Carlson, both out on the ice. So they are kind of already, I mean, they're two guys that are going to be either at the blue line or the top of the circle. So if you wanted to set it up like the Lightning do with the umbrella, then Crosby would be on the other side, kind of where Malkin is. is you, you need a saying. threat in front of the net too and Gensel's just not big enough I mean he's good he's fearless he'll tip puck so I mean he's he's my size who has a better shot scoring from just scoring on a shot from the top of the circle Malkin or Crosby uh I mean 
think they both have. Malkin's got the one timer. Malkin's got the one. I think it's Malkin, which is probably why he's been there. He can drill it in. I mean, Crosby could score from there too. But Malkin can also do the one timer from the point. That's the other thing. Like he can do what Gonchar used to do when Gonchar was running that power play. You know, because Malkin's got the big shot. That's what I mean. So a guy with a big shot, you want positioned at the top of the circle. Correct. Where Kucherov is. But to your point, it's not working. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe maybe you, you tinker. And, hey, good news is the Lightning don't have that problem, and they did win the special teams battle last night, which they was did. a big deal. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. And, you know, people look at special teams. For me, that, that thing, that comes and goes in the playoffs, especially you can't really rely on the power play too much. Maybe the PK, and, and that's where you're going to look at and say they really dug in and, you know... Uh, Colorado only got two power play chances, but the Lightning dug in and killed both off. The power plays, getting those opportunities, you just you can't rely on officiating because I think it does change from Series 1 to the Stanley Cup Final in many ways. And I, I think it changes as the series progresses. But the Lightning in the regular season, that is a major advantage for them. A it is major a, major, a major advantage. You know what's another stat that is interesting? And, and I always check it every game, and the Lightning's opponent tonight this is a very favorable stat for the National Predators. It goes to special teams. Power play, penalty kill, time differential. Or you can look at opportunities as well. Power play opportunities versus time shorthanded. The Predators are number two in the NHL in power play, penalty kill, time differential. And what I mean by that is they have spent more time on the power play relative to the penalty kill than every other team in the NHL save for one. So they have spent nearly 38 more minutes on the power play than they have in the penalty kill, which means that they are getting a lot of power plays and not taking a lot of penalties. So while their penalty kill percentage is not great, it's 27th, they're at 73.7%. Some of that is tied to the fact that they just haven't been shorthanded very much. So their actual like goal differential is is not as bad as it might be, like power play goals versus power play goals allowed. So that is one interesting part about the Predator season so far, that not only have they gotten a lot of power play chances, they haven't been shorthanded very much. So when you talk about, well, we only had to kill two penalties, that does make life easier on your your penalty kill unit. So, look, we could spend a little bit of time, if you want, in the closing minutes here on on Nashville. Yeah, let's do that. They they had a weird start to the year in that I want to say they were 5-10. I'm going to look this up. So the Predators were 5-10 and 10 through 15 games. Then they won six in a row, lost two in regulation, and they won the last two. So they are eight and two in their last ten. They've pulled their record up to thirteen and twelve. They've not had an overtime shootout loss this year. So their record is a legit, Greg, thirteen and twelve. Thirteen wins, three of which have come in overtime of the shootout, and twelve losses all in regulation. Remember Luke Shen got hurt on opening night against the Lightning? I do. A game do. the Lightning won, yeah. by the way. And and in that game. The Predators had four power play chances, but five penalty kills. So I'm just curious. I'm looking at their game by game. That opening night loss to the Lightning, they were shorthanded five times. 
They've only been shorthanded in a game five times, one other time this year through 25 games. In all of their other games, it's been less than five. So that tells you that they just don't end up being shorthanded very often. So if the Lightning get a couple of power play chances tonight, you know, the Nashville penalty kill, the percentage isn't outstanding. It isn't very good, actually. But the Lightning may not get a lot of opportunities in the power play. So Shen got hurt on opening night and missed 18 games. So he's back now. But the Preds have had some injury issues. Tommy Novak, we really like him as a player. He scored on opening night against the Lightning. And and he's been out for a little while. He's injured. That's a big loss for them. So they're trying to figure things out. They have a new head coach. They were implementing a new system. But it seems like they're playing better now than earlier in the year, certainly based on their one-loss record. Tyson Berry rejoined the lineup. Did I read that correctly? They're shopping he was, him? Well, shopping him? I think I think it was quietly done. That was also in Elliott's 32 Thoughts, and Barry Trotz was not happy that word got out. And Elliott was like, well, you can keep a lid on things, but the teams you're talking to may not, which is true. Kind of comes with the territory. I did see that he was scratched a couple of games which may have been related. In fact, he was scratched for two games, and then he came back and played the last game. But he had played every game up until that point. So, And his minutes were where they would be if you were kind of projecting how many minutes is Tyson Berry going to play, understanding they have Yossi, who's normally the top guy in the power play, and McDonough, who would normally be the top guy on the penalty kill. I mean, the penalty kill, you're using two defensemen. And Barry's a righty. But Barry probably is not getting as much power play time as he got with some other teams that he has been with because they have Roman Yossi, right? So I don't know if he had the did not play because they were shopping him or if he got grumpy that he was scratched and asked for a trade. Unclear. Interesting. But he did play in the last game. He only played 11 minutes, though. So... Normally, he would be up in the 18 to 20-minute range. Would they get a shootout win? Was it yesterday against yes, the Blackhawks? against the Hawks. So, you know, they're feeling pretty good, potentially, about their plan. I saw their head coach, um, Brunette, talk about, you know, now now's the time we've got to take off. And he feels like well, they're starting to play Well, they had to better. do that at 5 and 10, and they've certainly helped themselves. Yeah. The, Lightning, the Lightning always have tough games in Nashville. I feel like... Like, they've had some success here. Of course, they won the outdoor game here a couple of years ago. But but outside of that game, which was a one-goal win for the Lightning, I feel like in a lot of the games, they go to overtime, and the Lightning in Nashville recently have won the game in overtime. But they're always close. They're always tight, no matter where these teams may be in the standings or how they may be doing at a certain point in the season. So, you know, the Predators didn't play last night. They have the circumstantial advantage. I wouldn't say this is a tough back-to-back for the Lightning, but it is still a back-to-back. They were the team that played last night and did travel. Nashville didn't. And if we see Jonas Johansson, who got the win against the Predators and UC Soros on opening night, and I would expect that Johansson's going to get the start tonight, if you were just... Looking at this on paper, you would say, well, the Predators are the more rested team. They're at home, and they have Soros, and the Lightning have Johansson. Now, you can throw that out the window. You know, Johansson 
beat Soros earlier this year in the head-to-head, if you will. But I think that if we were to look at the odds makers, they might say, yeah, maybe give Nashville a little edge based on circumstances. And they are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And they've got a really good goaltender. Which That's helps. it, yeah. Yeah, which helps. That's a big, kind of a big deal. So we'll keep that in mind. Game tonight, 8 o'clock start, right, partner? At least Eastern time. Yes. Which means we'll have the, uh, the pregame at 730. And the return to Nashville of Tanner Janot. I saw him on the plane last night. I asked him, can you remind me, did you play in that preseason game in Nashville? He said, no, I didn't. So I said, this is your first game back then. Will there be in a- any capacity? And he said, yes. He's so like, it's going to be fun. Is there going to be a a little message on the Jumbotron? Tribute video? A yeah, tribute video. I wouldn't be think? surprised. Glendon got one in Dallas. Have we gone too far with the tribute videos? Like, should there be a certain amount of time a guy stays? Well, if a guy was there and had a, a big impact on the team, I think you would want to do it. But if you're doing it for a guy who had a big impact on the team in a short period of time, then what about a, another guy that was also there for a short period of right. time? I, I think we need to. This kind of goes back to the offside rule. How <laughs> do you know some are yeah, bigger than others? Okay. Like maybe, maybe we just we read the room a little bit more. Well, will the Lightning the have a tribute video for Brent Seabrook when he retires at the end of the year? <laughs> <laughs> See, if Greg Lanelli were commissioner for a day, not the Man. commissioner indicates such who, a better who, who can do tribute videos, but if you were commissioner for the, for a day, the the first rule you would put in is linesman must pick up a broken stick immediately. <laughs> the second rule is no tribute videos unless the players played a minimum of, um, what, 300 games? games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can come up with a third one. I should I probably like be able to figure out. Well, the offside. Oh, you would, you would get rid the of offsides, the offside right? challenge. I'd do the offside challenge. Yeah. I think I would do that. I would. You're putting your faith in human beings, though, because the reason the offside challenge is still in place is there is a fear that an egregious one is going to be missed by human beings mm-hmm. when the stakes are very, very high. Yeah. That's the risk that you run, even though they went without it for boarding what 70 75 80 more than that right when did we when did we get the rule in place know. it was about 80 years 80 plus years of nhl hockey there was no replay on offside hit from behind would be an automatic five game suspension you really oh yeah i forgot I would, about I would, that i would come yep. hard on that because i I do feel like Latang. he got now i don't think that was an egregious hit but like you have to be careful with players that it's too fast you take a run at somebody and they're not seeing you and I can see the back of you and I ram you into the boards. I mean, a $5,000 fine. Jacob Truba taking his stick and swinging at a guy's head. That shouldn't be a $5,000 fine. You would be doing a lot on your first and only day I, But as I commissioner. think you need to set the example now in hopes that people are like, you know what? Hey. He was suspended 10 games for taking his stick to a guy's head. Maybe I got to think twice about doing it. You know? You got to come down hard. You want changes. You can't you can't let the what do they say inmates run the asylum, so to speak? Well, there is hard. a DOPS. Maybe do anything. And who runs that? 
Well, a former player. But <laughs> he's a former player. He's a former George enforcer. Perros. An enforcer. So, yeah. I mean, what's, what, let's have perspective here. Perspective. That's all I'm saying. Make that as the audio clip, Steve, for the show today. <laughs> we'll have the, uh, the pregame tonight at 730. And, partner, we'll be back at it wrapping the game up tomorrow. And hopefully it's another win. Great job. Yep. You too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. And thanks to all of you. I was going to thank myself, but I'm not going to do that. We'll be with you again tomorrow in this setting, noon to one. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.